My name is Matt Brown. You could have someone's whole game plan. They could mail it to you. You still got to stop it. And let's start the show. Big, big penis energy. Yeah. He's going to bring that big penis energy. The world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Thursday, October 26, 2023. How about this, everybody? This is episode 280. We are less than 20 shows away from 300, and let us begin that journey to our 300th episode. And with that, we will give you an incredible college football discussion for you today discussing week eight that's right week eight in the college football season and we will get into things like michael Penix jr having a bad game they were able to get the win in washington but he did not play like michael Penix jr usually does doesn't get that big penix energy if you will uh michigan had a true beatdown against michigan state Ohio State beat Penn State, and Penn State may be fraudulent. I don't know. We'll get into that. Caleb Williams didn't have a stellar game as people would like to see. Utah upset USC there. FSU got another dominant win. Bama uh, finally played well. Oklahoma still undefeated. And we'll get into a lot of other things called football, including our picks for week nine. And guess what? We will end the show with a Little World Series discussion. We will pick between the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Texas Rangers. We haven't talked baseball in a very long time on this show. Obviously, there's no Yankees playing. There's no Mets playing. And um, I just watched as a fan, didn't cover the playoffs, yet the ALCS and NLCS were absolutely incredible. It was so entertaining. And We are about to start the World Series this Friday, and it's going to be the Arizona Diamondbacks versus the Texas Rangers, and we'll make our picks for that. So a lot of good stuff, a little baseball, college football, and a lot of other things from there. So before we get into all of that, I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding the show across all social media platforms. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations podcast. Podcast, Twitter at ProdGobblePod, we're on TikTok at Productive Conversations, and Facebook at Productive Conversations. So yeah, we will talk about week eight in the college football season. We're about to head into the final month of the regular season. Conference, big, big, big conference games are about to happen. Very big rivalry games are about to take place. And of course... We're on the road to the college football. And before you know it, bowl season will take place. And we have to figure out how we're going to cover bowl season. And uh, we will go from there, obviously. But each game matters from here on out a little more in the college football realm. And we will get you all into it and get you ready for what is about to come. So... Why don't we get into that? As I mentioned, stick around after our picks for week nine as we talk a little World Series, and then we'll go from there. So it's a very action-packed show with Alex Ronelio and Nico Nocero. 
or I should say Nikki and Sierra, excuse me. And yeah, it's going to be a really great show. Get your daily dose of PCP. We have a great productive conversation coming your way. So Alex and Nico, it's your guys' turn. Let us talk about week eight in the college football season, make picks for week nine, and preview this year's World Series. So let's do it. Lots to do, and here we go. This is a very productive conversation. College football week eight. The weeks just fly on by. We had an awesome week of college football. A lot to get into, you know, as the weeks go by and more and more important games are taking place. We hear productive conversations have you all settled for it. So we'll talk about the big stories from week eight, make some picks for week nine. Also talk a little World Series at the very end. So stick around for that. Alex Renelio and Nico Nocero is here. What's up, gentlemen? How are we doing? What up, boys? Good. Real, real good. So why don't we hit into it right now and talk about Ohio State and Penn State. Ohio State gets the victory in a very boring 20-12 to 12 game. <laughs> the big thing that people are saying after this loss with Penn State having such an easy schedule and they played a real legitimate contender and they folded at home. Or no, they didn't were at home. Um and they fold, but regardless, they folded and uh, they looked pretty bad. So what do we think about this game? And is Penn State fraudulent at this point after this loss? Nico, I know you're very high on the Nitty Lions. Do you still feel that way? Um, Definitely some question marks after this game, obviously, with Franklin and the team as a whole. Um, One thing I do want to say, just to toot my own horn a little bit, Second week in a row, I gave out my play of the week, and it was the under in this game, and it smashed. Just want to throw that out there, just to, just to say something. Um, but I, like I said earlier in the year, I had Ohio State winning this game. Um, I, I'm still going to stand on the hill that I think Penn State is the best team in the Big Ten, and it's but it's tough, man. After this performance, it's hard to say that. Um, I still think they beat Michigan at home, and I still think Michigan beats Ohio State, and I still think the committee is going to be in that bumblefuck situation where they don't know what to do. And I still think that's what's going to happen. Um, I will say, though, I am very, very skeptical about how Franklin runs his team. I know it's been the question mark every year. Like, is game Franklin really worth that contract? Is he really worth beating all these teams and losing to Ohio State and Michigan? And you know what? The narrative stays true once again. It's like an endless cycle for Penn State fans. You go and you beat the Delawares. You beat the Purdue's of the world. Then you go to Ohio State, you get pummeled. Then you have Michigan coming at home to lose that game. I really think, yeah, it's hard to fire a coach that goes 10-2 and two every year. And you'll win and you play in the Fiesta Bowl or the Outback Bowl. But you, you got to get better. If you want to be fine with mediocre, like fine with being mediocre, it, you can't be. You just can't be. And uh, I still think Penn State's the best team in the Big Ten, even after the shit performance. And I, I still think they will beat Michigan. But, man, what a bad, bad performance by that Penn State and any line team. Yeah, it was it was um, definitely underwhelming, definitely disappointing. We were both riding high on Penn State. And I still think that, like you said, Nico, they're going to be in that bumper pluck <clears throat> situation um, with the committee to kind of sort out between these teams at the end of the season because I still think Ohio State ends the year with one loss. I think that also Michigan will end the year with one loss. So um, I I think I would be more disc- I would be more concerned if they lost like a thirty four to twelve game or a 40 to 12 game, but 20 to 12 is respectable. We knew it was going to be low scoring. You had the under correctly. Um, I was 
pretty pleased to see there were there were still some pleasant takeaways um, from Penn State that I did like that they could hang their hat on. Like they kept they kept um, Ohio State under five yards of play and they kept them under 100 yards on the ground. And um, I thought that was really impressive. But again, you're just not going to cut you're just not going to cut the muster with one of 16 on third down. You got to be better converting, moving the chains, and killing clock. And they were unable to do that. They lost time of possession in this game. And the game just got away from them. Um, I thought that both teams coming out of the gate uh, in the second half would have had an opportunity to kind of make a statement, make adjustments, and both laid eggs in the third quarter. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, so, it, again, it raises questions about James Franklin, but it also raises questions about Ryan Day because their tough games for the year aren't over, and I'm, I'm still waiting to see uh, how legitimate he is. Absolutely. One, one, one thing yeah, to touch back, I, I agree. And speaking of Ohio State – uh, one thing that I found out was like, I knew how legit Marvin Harrison Jr. was, but versus Penn State, who's arguably one of the top three defenses in the country, that performance yep. was unbelievable. The way he yeah. cuts, the way he gets open, the way he finds yeah. holes in the defense is unreal for a wide receiver at that age and at that level. Um, I was always big on Caleb Williams going first overall. I, I think a lot of teams have some decisions to make. Uh, in the words of Gus Johnson, Maserati, yeah. definitely. I think that's what he calls him. But they got a really uh, – this kid's a stud. He, he might be the best receiver out of college I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Is he a top five pick, do you think? I, I, I honestly think you got to consider him for first overall after these performances. Like, every week he's doing yeah. it versus the Rutgers of the world. But, like, if he does his Penn State – Goes to Michigan and then in the playoff, if they make it and does something there, you gotta like he's 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 legit. He is gonna be like I think he's gonna be a top five NFL receiver in the next five years. I really do. Wow. Ooh, who do you think he's the most like in the NFL right now? That if you could compare him to anybody, if we want to take a bold leap right now, is he a just a Jefferson? Is he a That's Jamar it. Chase? Is he a um is he like his dad way back when? I think it's like a combination of a lot, but I think he's like more like a Justin Jefferson. Like I think he's more him go up. He can burn you on a slant, burn you on a post, but he can go up and catch jump balls too. Not that Jamar Chase can, but like this kid's route running is unbelievable. It's the way that he finds holes in defenses. And like there was a play early in the third quarter. Um, it was a great call by day, actually. They sent um the receiver on a nine route just took him straight down the field and he ran a little out and up and around the seams. And like just the way he broke down and made the cuts were like just to find that hole. It was, it was just phenomenal. Yeah. I like it. Uh, I respect it. And um, yeah, Penn state. So we, we do believe they might have something left, but you cannot afford another loss for the rest of the year. If you want to make it to the college football playoff and um the, the schedule really quick. Um, is it getting a little more intense? I don't have it. In, I could get it right in front of me just to I make mean, sure. It, the only thing with the Big Ten this year is like, it's like they really don't have anyone in Michigan. Like Maryland with Tua's brother, like, yeah, maybe that will be a game. But like, it, it, it's tough. It's tough. These Big Ten teams, I really – like the ACC, I know me and Alex bring it up every week, but like ACC has those ankle biter teams that like Louisville and teams yeah. like that will steal one on you. I just really, really don't think uh, the Big Ten has a team like that. No, I get it. I get it. Outside of those three, they don't. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. 
All right. So let us now transition to the next and talk about um then let's talk about the USC and Utah game where Caleb Williams underperforms once again in back-to-back games. I've been to watch this game live at a bar and I just saw a Utah team manhandle this USC team in the sense that they could not get anything in the running game whatsoever. They were able to pressure Caleb all night long. And um, this is the second game in a row where Caleb didn't look like the world-renowned special player that we are expecting. Now, my rule of thumb is if a particular player, either in the pros or in college, in um, football particularly, if they have as much as three and four bad games in a row without injury, there may be something there. Um, Do we think um, for Caleb's two-game skid, do we think it's just a fluke? You know, of course, everybody's allowed to uh, be human after all, but um, for people watching USC at this point, it's really just for the sake of watching him, but is there anything to this upset? Is it more of Caleb just not doing well? Or we've talked in the past in this pod that Utah is a very underrated team. If yes. there was a 12, if there was a 12 game playoff, they'd be, you know, like we'll talk about right the Arizona there. Diamondbacks pushing it. But um, yeah, this is some pretty impressive stuff from Utah coming into it this season. And this was a big statement win for them. So how do we feel about this game, whether it's about Caleb's performance or the UTEPs actually showing that they are a legit program that's only going <clears> to keep growing? Well, I don't think um, a game like this is going to be indicative of his draft stock. I think that the decisions around him have been made to this point, even at, oh, a, yeah. at, a, at a six and one juncture. Yeah. Um, but I will say that, you know, it, it it is, you know, it is indicative upon USC to continue to keep pushing the envelope, keep playing out the remainder of the season, regardless of what their aspirations for the playoff or not are, because at this point, I don't think that's going to be the case. We knew that some of this, you know, inter, uh, um, um, conference. Yeah. This interconference cannibalism was going to begin with this with, and I think that this was, it was going to be the launching point for Utah, uh, in doing so. Um, I, I do see Utah pretty much running the gambit because I think they are that good and they're right on the cusp of being outside that playoff contention. Um, so I did, I, I don't know if I took them outright or if I had them, you know, losing on a field goal, but I, I do believe in this Utah team and they proved it this past weekend. Yeah. And Alex has been saying ever since I joined the pod about four weeks ago, Alex has always been on top of this Utah team. Um, yeah. And I know we talked about it the past couple of weeks, the three of us agreed on it. Um, yeah, this USC team, we knew a couple weeks ago we were saying it here. Not a lot of people did, but we knew they were going to be a 3-4 loss team. Like, the, the way that they were playing, the way their defense is, Utah ran the ball for 250 yards on this team. They had three uh, players, including the quarterback, that ran for 50-plus yards uh, yeah. on this defense. And I don't think Caleb Williams still had a pass rating in the 130s. And it, I, like Alex said, I don't think this has any effect on its stock. Um, I just think this is a bad football team. And... Caleb Williams was the reason why they were so overrated because he's the best player in the country. But with that being said, hats off to Utah, man. Uh, this team, uh, they're sneaky good. And like Matt mentioned, like if, well, if this is a 12-team uh, playoff, like if this is next year, this team can upset a few teams in that playoff. Like they're a sneaky, scrappy football team that controls tempo, runs the football, and they'll air it out on you a little bit too. Their play action is unbelievable. They'll run, 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 play action over the top, phenomenal. 
Yeah, I think they played what Penn State in the bowl game last year. Yeah, they played at uh, Penn yeah. State in the Rose Bowl, and the kid got and the uh, what's his name got hurt in the like first quarter. Right. Shout out to um, Sion Vaki. Uh, I can't pronounce his name, but 2220 20 all-purpose yards just in this game alone for Utah. He's been on a tear the last two weeks. Hmm. Look at that. Uh, yeah, I guess you know it. It will take. You know, I do think you make a good point about Marvin Harrison being having number one pick overall talent, but everybody is so on Caleb this time and all the money and NIL deals and so much stuff. It's almost going to be impossible for him not to be the number one overall pick. But I mean, stranger things have happened, right? Correct. Yeah. I mean, like the thing is, is like from a skill perspective, like if you have a number one pick, like Marvin Harrison Jr. meets all the criteria to be that number one overall pick. But if you have the number one pick and you can get a talent like Caleb Williams, you're going to be crazy not to how elite the quarterback position is like you have to take him at the number one spot. I know we haven't had a great couple weeks in a row, but he's good. He's unbelievably good. Yeah. What do you say to the people who are like, you know, the casuals? Oh, Caleb Williams, can't if he can't beat a Pac-12 defense, how is he going to play a NFL defense? What do you have to say to those people? They're morons. Because he's putting up, he's putting up thirty plus points a game consistently, even though I don't think he had a touchdown pass this week. But he's still controlling the offense. He had a seventy percent completion percentage. He had a hundred and thirty three QBR. Like he is a legit talented quarterback. And I hate when people say stuff like that because they don't. Those people just look at the scores at the end of the game. They don't see what he does on the field and why he is the best player in the country. Right. Yeah, you said it all. Like the Johnny Kalili fans, they just they don't watch the tape. They don't know what goes on these within these games. They just look at the box score. Um, even if they are a three or four loss team, it's not indicative upon his play. Um, he's a stud. He's got all the tools in the toolbox. And um it's more I think it's more embarrassing on Lincoln Riley, you know, unless he can correct this and get his to get the roster that he wants moving forward because he's got to be able to be re- be able to recruit too. <laughs> That's how you know, man. That's how you know. All yep. right, for another quarterback everybody's been talking about this year, Michael Penix Jr. and the Washington Huskies t- hosted Arizona State, who have somehow been a scrappy team this season. And they took, you know, they scored early in the uh, – they scored early, but – um it was a close game throughout, maybe even too close to comfort. Michael Penix Jr. doesn't throw – a intercept sorry he doesn't throw a touchdown it was mostly the defense that got the win for them and um you know despite 275 yards and Pennick jr was not looking as good as advertised i don't think he lost his stock in the heisman race especially with at least because they actually got a the win here but um what do you think about arizona state and washington <laughs> My take is, like, I don't really think Penix played. Obviously, didn't have the game that we saw over the past couple weeks that made him almost want to run away with his Heisman race. We didn't see that from him. However, I don't think he played bad enough that it it really made an effect on him as his legacy. My biggest question mark is, what the hell do we watch from this Washington football team? What was that game? You ran the ball 13 (laughs) times for 13 yards. You're you're barely being Arizona State. What are you going to do in a couple weeks when you're playing – all these people. I know we just beat Oregon last week. I don't know if it was a hangover from the Oregon game or what the right. case was, but man, you're going to get chewed up alive versus these teams. Uh, I know we said it all year that the Pac-12 is going to eat itself alive, but like 
the biggest story in this game is Washington as a team. Their defense played great, probably their best defensive performance all year. I mean, granted, they played Arizona State. Um, I'm embarrassed to say, and it's the truth, I bet the over in this game. The over was 60 points. It, 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 it <laughs> close. Isn't that the but, but the thing is, is like these teams, like it doesn't work. Like USC, like you, that's, I don't, I'm trying to bring them up again, but like you can't be one dimensional in this league. Like at this level, you can't be one dimensional. You can't just be all on your quarterback on your pass because what these teams are going to do, like Arizona State did, they're going to play bend or break D. You want to drive the ball all the way down the field? That's fine. But once you get inside the 20 and we tighten up a little bit, you're not going to punch it in the end zone and they're going to make it tough. And that's what we saw by Arizona State do on Saturday. And quite frankly, quite frankly, I, I think like, a lot of these one-dimensional teams, that's what's going to happen. They're just going to get all the yards. They're going to get all their stats. But once they get inside the red zone, you got to know how to run the football. You got to be more than just the quarterback. One hundred percent. I'm I'm a firm believer in putting more weight and emphasis on your highest highs than your lowest lows. So I still do firmly believe that Penix is that guy. Um, again, the play calling, I don't know what the hell that was that I watched because when you run it 13 times for 13 yards, it doesn't matter what your offensive output on, on the other, on the other side in the passing game, that's just not a good, that's not a good recipe. You have to have more balance, more stability, and ultimately you become predictable. I think that's why he threw two picks in this game. I think that the defense figured him out. Um, you know, Arizona state is a scrappy team, even if they don't show it in the win column, but, um, yeah, I think they, they probably just didn't show up for this game. They may have had a hangover from the Oregon game and been feeling themselves a little too much. Um, I fully expect them to bounce back the remainder of the season, but I definitely have that game on November 11th circled. Utah going to Washington is going to be a tough, t- tough test. And I'm either going to eat my words and I'm going to have to roll with Utah in that game or we're just going to be crowning Penix for for the Heisman right there. So we'll see. <laughs> And is it uh, dare me to say, is it possible that we see now like how good the Pac 12 is? There's a good chance we don't see any of these teams in the playoffs. If because Utah can easily win that game, Oregon can lose another game later on in the year. Like, there's a good chance that this Pac 12 is a two loss conference champion. Yeah, it could be very much so. Gotta impress that committee. So, Michigan and Michigan State had a game that was an annihilation. They won by a score of 49 to 0. Um, first, Michigan State not only embarrassed themselves on the field, they embarrassed themselves on the scoreboard, thinking a uh, <laughs> Hitler fun fact was appropriate. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. And um, for already a school and program that's already been through enough of a mess, uh, pretty weird stuff. But the real question, of uh, there's nothing to break down with Michigan and Michigan State, but this sign-stealing allegations against Michigan and Harbaugh that has taken that have come to fold this past week. What do we think about Michigan and their sign-stealing scandals? And do you think they're innocent or guilty? Or if it even matters? Wait, before I answer that question, I I just want to sprinkle on the game for a tiny second. The one thing that I really like what Harbaugh and this Michigan team did is they saw that Penn State-Ohio State game. As much as they're going to tell you, oh, we don't watch it, we were focused on Michigan State, they saw how shit those two teams looked, and they're like, we're going to fucking pour it on Michigan. Sorry to curse, but we're going to pour it on Michigan State oh, tonight. Um, they knew going into it that they were going to dominate Michigan State, and I really think they – just saw how bad both those teams played and everyone at 3.30 after that noon game was like, 
who's Ohio State, who's Penn State, you really didn't know. And I think Michigan just field them up, and they're like, we're going to destroy Michigan State. Um, so I just want to say that first. And I really think Michigan, like we saw last week on the pod, they're going to keep eating these bad teams, and they're going to keep doing what they have to do, and we'll just see what happens versus Penn State and Ohio State. Now, the sign scandal thing is crazy to me. Um, I've been seeing clips. I saw a clip from the big game last year, um, Ohio State-Michigan when um, Ohio State looked at the sidelines, Stroud was looking signaling, and all Michigan sidelines was reacting to like a certain play, and the play was ran. Um, I My whole thing is I don't mind signs doing and this. I'm very in the minority of this. Um, what the Astros did in baseball, like with the crash and stuff, no, I'm totally against that. That is ridiculous. But if you're not creative enough where you're hosting those pictures on the sidelines – I think that's just smart intel. Like, if I know you're going to post four pictures on sidelines, I know what play you're running based off that four plays. I think Ohio State or whoever it is on the team has to do what they have to do to figure that out. Um, do I think it's a little crazy that Michigan is sending people to Penn State and Ohio State games and set, positioning them to see their signals? That's a little extreme. But my whole thing is, again, it's a very poor take. A lot of people disagree with me. I'm fine with it to an extent. What the Astros did was way overboard. I know it's a different sport with baseball. That's completely different. But, like, I I don't know how to feel about it because maybe the other teams just need to figure out what they're doing. It's not like they're sneaking into practice what Belichick used to do and get cameras or something like that. No, like, they're picking up the signs on the field during the game. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, there's other ways to cheat that are uh, a little more – intrusive and less obvious than um, sign stealing. I think it's just the easiest faux pas to kind of point out from across the sideline. And and it's also an an additional excuse to review the tape and watch what the other sideline is doing. If you're going to make, you know, uh, bloviating accusations about it. Now, if it is true, you know, obviously like that doesn't look great. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily just uh, ultimately means that they're cheating right off the bat, but I just think that, that, again, this this started as a campaign to uh, excoriate Harbaugh from the beginning of the season. They went through the whole accusations with, um, you know, uh, circumventing um, some of the norms related to uh, uh, recruitment. And now they're switching their conversation to sign stealing. I just think that a lot of this stuff is directed to how can we bring down and how can we mitigate the dominance of Michigan uh, on the, on the national scale. And I think that there, I haven't looked at all the reporting. I think there are probably some merits to some of what's coming out about sign stealing, but I don't think it's illegal and I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it really sways and changes the game and the margins of victory for Michigan, to be quite honest. Okay, man, it really seems everybody's out to get Jim Harbaugh, huh? Yep. (laughs) Um, you know Michigan has had quite an easy schedule themselves so as long as they get ready for those big conference matchups as discussed I'm sure people will let this go and it doesn't really seem to be that big of a story per se it is something to mention but um, there's more egregious examples as pointed out Florida State University has been a team that we have had to really digest figure out what they are with a dominant win over Duke at 38 to 20. Maybe they um, continued to make their point that they deserve to be in the college football playoff. Talk about this game with me and Florida state and 
what else they have to do to prove that they are legit now? They don't have to prove much more. Um, obviously, they don't have the toughest schedule. Um, in the books, you know, playing ACC schedule is always going to be a little, little easy, especially with a down year like Clemson. But, you know, they took care of business. That's what good teams do. Um, I think that they have to definitely win out and they have to win in pretty dominant fashion to at least remain a four. Uh, we'll have to see how the, 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 the big, the, the real crucial key is how the big, the remainder of the big 10 unfolds, because that'll determine whether or not they move up to a three seat or not um, being an unbeaten team. And, but you know, they have quality wins on the resume as we sit here uh, on the precipice of November. Um, I think that, they just need to continue to keep, you know, moving, moving right along and um, they'll be right where they want to be. But I really like this team and I like how they're coached. It seems like they get up for every game, um, even the ones where, you know, things were a little too close for comfort, like the Boston College game and the Clemson game on the road. You can live with that when you're in conference um, to a degree, but um, they they're, they're very impressive on paper. Yeah, I, I'm unfortunately I have to agree. I have to eat my words a little bit. I've been saying the past couple of weeks I'm not sold on this team. Um, I still think a one loss Florida State shouldn't get into the playoff, and I will stand by that. Um, but but I really think teams um, the separates the good and the bad between teams is the way you close out games. Go being down three and going to that fourth quarter and not scoring Duke twenty one nothing in the fourth quarter alone. <laughs> yeah. That, that's it. Like, it's just like, that's how you win football games. You have to know when to turn it on, when it's crunch time, when to get going. And they did just that. They did what they were supposed to do. Duke's a very good football team. Um, they, They're a sneaky team that battled with Notre Dame, battled these teams. They're the teams that we keep referring to as the ankle biters of the ACC. And they're right in that category where they can sneak and win games. Um, But hey, like, I, I can't talk bad about Florida State this week like I've been in the past couple of weeks because... They did what they have to do. They're down by three going into the fourth quarter, dominated the fourth quarter, won the football game, on to the next week. That's all yeah, it takes 100%. sometimes. That's all it takes. Yeah. And they, they were they were highly impressive on third down. They really have a lot of composure behind um, um sorry, behind their quarterback, Jordan Travis. Like he really impresses me week to week. Obviously he's gonna mistake make a mistake here and there. He threw a pick, but he was pretty efficient outside of that. Definitely good stuff. Love the quarterback play from Florida State. Yeah. Really. And Bama finally got a, an impressive win over Tennessee. At least they didn't have to sweat it out like the other weeks. Bama, mm-hmm. how are we feeling about Bama now? Didn't too bad for the volunteers. They're a fun team to watch, but um they are still finding their way. I think they they're a program that has a lot of growing to still do, but they're definitely on the right track. Yeah, no, Bama, um, I think they're clicking. Again, another team that had a rough first half that had an unbelievable second half. Um, just dominated the game in the second half. First half was a little shaky, but, you know, once this team gets in that rhythm, it just takes them longer than what we saw some Bama teams in the past. It takes them an extra couple possessions. Um, but once they get going, man, this team's unbelievable. Um, their offense is good. They're a Bama football team, not like we saw in the past, but they're a team you don't want to see come playoff time in January. And, yeah, if I'm the rest of the country, I don't want this Bama team sneaking in. Yeah, yeah, that's a real that's a real concern because we know that um, Saban can get these guys ready, especially towards the end of the year. Um, they seem to be maturing at the right time and, and turning it on and and getting this offense where it needs to be. Um, I will say that I think there is a real threat that a second 
uh, SEC team gets in, especially knowing the committee and knowing who it's comprised of over the years, they tend to give the nod opposed to the Big Ten. So again, you know, similar with the ACC and with Florida State's hierarchy in the mix, a lot is going to ride on these remaining games, the Big Ten. I think that's really what's going to um, <clears throat> give the window of opportunity open back to Bama. Um, I thought they were tremendous in a bounce back game like this. Um, they they really, I mean, on paper they they played they played to a draw, but um, I think you know when you look at uh, time of possession and um, you look at third down efficiency, um, they really were able to stay in this game and make the big critical plays and the crucial throws. And they were just in dominant fashion in the second half. Saban made the right adjustments. Um, they locked down on defense. They shut Tennessee out in the second half. So um, kudos to them and, and taking care of business. Kudos to them indeed. And kudos to Oklahoma for staying undefeated. Am I right? How's Oklahoma making you guys feel after um, – a convincing win this past week or do you think Oklahoma is also one of those teams that could be a sneaky a sneaky team to uh make the college football playoff coming off a huge win in the Red River in the Red River Classic and stuff like that it's gonna be tough to call yeah you take it oh yeah I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough call, right? At, you know, uh, as to whether they make that four seed or not. Um, I don't think they're good enough to be. I don't think there's a team in the Big Twelve that's worthy of the playoff. But they're they're playing their hearts out. Um, this is a real football team. Um, they can really bang with anybody. And yeah, winning the Red River Classic definitely a huge statement. Um, uh, for for what they can do in this in this league, and um, I think that they that they just got to continue to keep growing as a team. It's a young team. It's a young recruitment class. Um, they'll be back there next year because um, the reality is, once this Pac-12 uh, dissolves into the rest of the country, um, you're going to start seeing a lot of teams like Oklahoma taking advantage. Yeah, um, you hit it perfect. I, the only thing I will say about this team is. Uh, I just don't know how to feel about them. I'm not sold on them. Yeah, you won the Red River rivalry, right? Great game, unbelievable performance. But UCF at home, like it, I, you have to do more in that situation. Um, to so like solidify your dominance and prove that you are a top four team in this country. Um, I know we're gonna get into it in a couple minutes, but man, uh, tough matchup this week with Kansas, I, and they have some teams that. Big Twelve is not great, like Alex mentioned. I don't think anyone from the Big Twelve is worthy. Obviously, I think if Oklahoma remains undefeated, which I don't think they will, I do think they'll. I think they're going to lose this week, but I do think they might lose uh, in a couple weeks. Uh, a couple matchups. They don't have like, a crazy hard schedule left, but no. I just think they're a team that's not good enough to be in the playoff. And I think we'll see uh, see them get upset um, once this this season. All right. So maybe a lot of our questions will be answered for these picks that we are about to give for week nine already, guys. It's week nine. I get depressed. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I already get depressed. I'm like, my favorite my favorite day of the year is uh, Championship Saturday with all the book. I go to Atlantic City every year and on a table, sit at a sports oh, yeah. book all day. My favorite day of the year. And, uh, I'm a little sad that we're already a month away, like a month and two, a week away. I'm depressed about it. I don't like thinking of that. We're already near the bowl season, which in reality, we're five, six weeks away. It's crazy. 
Yeah, we have to figure out a way to, as I said, this is our first college football season that we cover. We have to figure out how to handle the bowl season. I don't know, maybe if we do a bowl bracket or if we, we should, just take yeah, it in we, week by week and make picks that way, do the productive conversations uh, spread. We could do production. It be about making a parlay of spreads for the bowl games. We could figure that out. Of course, open all ideas. Yeah, there's some really good sports bars like right around New Year's time that do some really awesome stuff. We could like, you know, interview some people at the bar live to get like their picks for it. That'd be fun. Future's brights, my friends. Future's bright. Right. Until then, let us enjoy what's left. Let's enjoy the fall. It's Halloween weekend. Halloween's on Tuesday. Um, but uh, you know, and then it's November, Thanksgiving, holiday season, Matt's birthday. So much uh, yeah. important things hey. to get into. <laughs> you know how you know how I'm gonna you know how I'm gonna celebrate the most spooky possible way is watching uh, the Raiders get their ass beat on Monday night. That's gonna be great. <laughs> on, mis- on mischief night. That's gonna be scary. Does anyone want to admit, were you ever done mischief night in your youth? Did you ever participate? <laughs> not like, yeah. nothing like crazy, crazy though. Like we used to do like, just like eggs and like things like that. Like we never did like. Egg people's houses. TP kids their today, houses. Kids today will start shooting at houses, I feel like. Oh, <laughs> like in the oh no. Kids so will start I did, shooting I did at stuff. houses. Isn't that, a, isn't that an accurate statement? <laughs> I did I did stuff um that I can't talk about on camera, so we'll we'll just we'll talk about it after the show. <laughs> yeah, before we continue, yes, we like Alex is right, like you said, like it, it's scary enough having this Raiders team in prime time. Them and the Giants, they just gotta stop. Like I let me talk to Roger Goodell. I know it's the the college podcast, but this is brutal. <laughs> <laughs> it's brutal indeed. All right, let's finally get to a week's Week nine of the college football season, and then let's talk some World Series from there. So why don't we talk about that Oklahoma and Kansas game at 12 o'clock? Oklahoma ranked sixth going to Kansas. The over-under is 65 points. And Oklahoma is your 10-point favorite right now. What are we doing? You can start. Oh, I'm taking I'm taking the under with Oklahoma. I think this is gonna be relatively tight game. Um somewhere in you know, somewhere in the high twenties, low thirties, but um I just don't think uh Oklahoma's good enough to cover. I think this will be one of those tough games in conference that they'll keep it close and it'll be a one possession game. Absolutely. Yeah. I love Kansas getting ten points. I love it, love it, love it. Yeah. Um I also really do like the under in this game. Um, I think both these offenses, 65 is a little too high. I get that they, I get they play in shootouts and Big 12 football, but 65 is a big number. Um, yeah, so I am, it's it's a lot. I, I'm definitely taking the under, but uh, don't be afraid. Like I said a couple minutes ago, don't don't be shocked if the Jayhawks and the Sooners, their first loss of the season, come three o'clock on Saturday. Ooh. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, okay, I like it. Florida State and Wake Forest. Florida State's going to Wake Forest where they're the 20 and a half point favorite. Your over under is 51. As Florida State needs to stay dominant, will they be able to against Wake Forest in order to make love- a push for the college football playoff? Yeah, I think this is going to be a campaign game. I think that um, they're ready to launch. I like the over and I like the spread at 20. Um, I think Florida State uh, goes on the road and takes care of business. 
I, I, I really don't like the spread in this game. Uh, I can really see... I can see a blowout, but I can also see a game. The only thing I like in this game, I love the under. Definitely like the under in this game. Um, a little opposite, but I, 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 <laughs> obviously, I think Florida State's going to win the game outright, 100%, obviously. But uh, 20, that's, a, that's, a, that's a spread where I'm definitely not going to touch. I'm going to stay away from. I see like a 42-20 type of result, though. Okay. No, that's, that, that's fair. That's I, I have a couple weird variations. Like I have like I could see like a thirty five three, or I could see like a twenty four twenty one. I I could see it. Like, I got you. I just like the under. All right, the University of Georgia, no, ranked number one in the country, and for eight weeks of coverage we've done, not a lot of Georgia talk because they probably had the easiest schedule of it all of them all. <laughs> but they yep. finally have a worthy matchup in Florida, five and two Florida. On the road, 3.30 in the afternoon, Georgia's the 14.5-point favorites where your over-under is just 47.5. What's going to happen? Georgia and Florida. I, I have a couple of these games every single week, but for the betters out there, this is a game laissez-faire, hands off. We're not going to talk to this one. We're, gonna, <laughs> we're just going to stay away. Uh, I, if I had to pick up to my head, I guess I'd take Florida to cover the 14.5, but... Uh, yeah, this is a game that's very tough because this is the first time, like Matt mentioned, where Georgia's truly, truly tested, I feel like. Uh, I know Florida's not great, but it's better than playing Grambling State. We're actually playing a legit university here. Right, right. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in the same boat as Nico. I, I think that this is too close a game for comfort. You don't really know what to expect with Florida. I think they're going to obviously get up for this game. Number one's coming into your house and we know that Gainesville goes nuts. Um, <clears throat> I think they're a sneaky, you know, they're a sneaky five and two team. I think that they could put up a quality, a quality game for anybody that comes into their house. It's just, it's too close for comfort. I definitely like the under at 14, uh, but I'll take Georgia in something around a 10 point win. <laughs> Compelling, very compelling. I like it. So BYU and Texas, where BYU at five and two goes to Texas. Texas at 17 and a half. Quinn Ewers is hurt. So um though people would love to see them go to Arch Manning, but uh, you know, they're going <laughs> with um oh, what's his name? Uh, it's hard to pronounce. Can you help me with it? The back of the or, quarterback, too, who's coming in? I'm bad, I'm bad with names. I'm bad pronouncing. Like, terrible. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Well, anyways, um, with a backup quarterback coming in in Texas, what do you see here? And the spread is 17 and a half, and their over-under is 50. Texas, too, if they want to make a push for the college football playoff, I feel you have to dominate in this game, and will they? <laughs> A tricky one. Uh, it's another game that I think, believe it or not, I'm going to be staying away from. But uh, I, I like BYU to cover the 17 and a half, but I definitely like the under. Um, if I do bet this game, I will be taking the under just because it, it's tough for the back of quarterback in college because you don't really know what they're necessarily made of. Like versus the NFL, you kind of know a little bit about these backup quarterbacks and saw what they've done. In college, it's just different, man. It's a, it's a question mark. So uh, it's a weird game. Um, but like Matt mentioned, if for Texas as the program itself and them to solidify themselves as a playoff team, if Oklahoma does get beat and it comes down to one of those two teams getting in later on, which I don't think both deserve it, but if it does, you got to dominate these type of games. 
Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, I mean, what I what I've seen from Texas this year, I do have enough faith in Sark that he could plug in his backup and keep the engine running. Um, so as much as I want to stay away from this game as well, I, I will put a little conviction to it. I think that Texas will cover the seventeen, and um, they're gonna um, they're gonna stay right in that mix. You know, looking at uh, from looking from the outside, looking in on the playoff. But um, I think that. You know, obviously BYU is a formidable opponent, but um, I think Texas knows what's at stake. And you know, uh, playing playing at home, um, I think that there's gonna it's gonna give them a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. I like it. Okay, so coming up next, we have Oregon at number eight playing against Utah. Very big Pac-12 matchup. Oregon yep. is just your six and a half point favorite over under forty seven and a half. Big implications right here. What's going to happen? Uh, Alex is probably going to disagree with me, but I said it. I Give me Bo Nix and company. Give me Oregon and the Ducks. Uh, I still think this Oregon team is the best team in the Pac-12. I said it a couple weeks ago. I, I really liked Washington to win that game. I'm still confident that Oregon runs the table and solidifies their name and gets into the playoff. And give me, give me Oregon. Over-unders low, which is like – if you take Oregon, you're supposed to take the over. I'd personally not touch this over-under because I can still see it going under, but uh, give me Bo Nix and company. Yeah, it's a matter of how much uh, damage control Utah can do with Bo Nix's offense. Um, if if my my brain was working properly, I would happily take Oregon in a, in a one-touchdown game uh, because I do agree with what Matt said. I mean, with what Nico said, I think that – they could be the best team at the end of the um, the year in the Pac-12. Um, it, it's still up in the air. We just have to ch- we have to check on Washington week to week, and then I think Utah would be that third team. But um, if I I, I got to stay with my conviction because I did say that if Utah won against USC last week that this that would be their launching point, and I think that if they're going to run the table, they're going to they're going to continue to keep doing it. So I like Utah winning outright. Uh, winning by probably a touchdown, um, somewhere around a twenty to fourteen or a twenty to thirteen type of game. I expect a low game. All right, Duke and Louisville. Duke opening at minus four. Over under is forty six and a half. What's going to happen in this game? Oh, this is too tough to pick. I expect a shootout in this game. Um, I think, you know, again, Duke is a great, uh, it's a great team coming from the ACC. They're playing Louisville who gets up for all these games. We saw what they did, um, upsetting Notre Dame earlier in the season, and they've been playing a lot of other teams tough. I expect there's a high scoring game. Um, what was the over under again? 46 and a half. See, that seems low. I, I expect something like a 26 to 28 type of game or 26, 29 type of game. But uh, I expect Louisville, Louisville to prevail at home. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely have Louisville winning this game. Um, I have Louisville winning this game by a touchdown plus. I, I think they not necessarily win comfortably, but I do think they win and cover the four and a half. Over under, I was thinking the same thing when I saw it earlier today at 46 and a half, but I think it's at that number for a reason, um, and I don't know what that reason is. So I won't be tossing the over-under, but uh, <laughs> I, I do like Louisville winning this game um, by a touchdown. Okay, okay. All right, what's next? Let's go with USC again, playing the 
University of California. They're on the road. USC has looked really bad. And um, USC is minus 11 point favorite. Your over under is a steep 68. Does USC actually uh, get back to a, some type of groove? I think they get back to their winning ways. I expect a huge bounce back game. Um, I like the 68. I think that the sky's the limit with uh, them going on the road and winning kind of a retributional, emotional type of win. Um, you know, this is Caleb's team. I think that he's going to, he's going to, he's going to take advantage of games like this. And um, I expect them to run up the score. Uh, I'm I'm gonna make our first disagreement of the day. I I, <laughs> I, I like California, and I think California going this game outright. Um, I, I think USC just they were just fraudulent the first six seven weeks of the season. We've been saying it, and I think teams realize how they can beat this team. They know what they have to do. They can let them get their yards. Just tighten up in the red zone, and then same thing on defense or on offense. Just you can do whatever you want. I'm very convinced that the three of us and eight random people could score on this USC defense. Um, <laughs> and I think this whole entire um, Pac-12 sees that. And I, I wouldn't be su- surprised if California wins this game and USC gets their third straight. Drops their third straight. Ooh. All right. Uh, I, want to uh, I want to see that. This game right here, what's interesting about this, Washington at the cusp of the playoff, ranked number five. They play Stanford. Stanford has been pretty scrappy this year. Though the steep 26.5-point favorite goes to Washington, and they are the, the over-under 60.5, what happens here? Are we going to see Washington have such a dominating victory? And if one of the top fours actually maybe even lose or play too close of a game, Washington steps into the playoff once and for all going into the month of November. I think this is a pretty big game for uh, Washington right here. And on the road, don't take Stanford too lightly. What do you guys think? I think what Alex said last game about USC is what I think about this Washington team. I think Washington humble Stanford. I really think Washington wins this game arguably by 40 plus. Um, I think they covered a 26 and a half with ease and we're going to see Penix and Penix form and Washington is going to dominate. Uh, I, I really, truly believe that. Like I said, I was very mentioned earlier in the pod. I was very nervous and concerned about Washington as a team after that performance for Arizona state. But you know what? Sometimes you need a wake up call like that. And I'm convinced that was their wake up call. Yeah, I think not only is that was that that, that game their way of calls, I agree with whatever everything Nico said. I think that this is going to be a blowout bounce back game for uh, disappointing a performance against Arizona State. But in addition to that, I think they're going to be keeping a close eye on the Utah Oregon game to see how that transpires as well and how legit they have to take Utah in the coming weeks. So I think that. If they can keep their mind focused on Stanford and take care of a bad team, um, I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth because um, I do firmly believe that they're going to dominate this game. But in order to do that, they need to focus on Stanford. But meanwhile, they're also going to keep an eye on the result of that Oregon game um, to keep that at the back of their their mind. So uh, I expect Washington in a route. Ohio State is playing Wisconsin. Wisconsin is your 14 and a half point underdog. You a big game for Ohio State to continue to stay comfortable. What's going to happen here? 14 and a half point favorite as I mentioned to Ohio State 45 and a half for the over under. 
Yeah, I, I um, let's go. I, I like the over in this game. Um, and per, personally, I like Ohio State team total over. Um, I don't know the exact number is right now. I think it's like 28 and a half, possibly. Don't quote me on it, but I think it's right around that ballpark. Um, and I, I think that's the right play. Um, I think Ohio State really wins this football game and wins it by a good margin. Um, and the only reason why I say that is because I really truly believe that Michigan really did that to Michigan State after watching how poorly Ohio State and Penn State played. And obviously, Ohio State teams will never admit that they're overlooking and overlooking at certain things. Ohio State's looking at Michigan already. They have to be. Yeah. They know they're looking at Michigan. And in order to solidify dominance in the event where we have the Big Ten, all these one-loss teams, you have to beat a team like Wisconsin by more than 14-plus. And I think they do that. And I think they win this game by 21-plus. Interesting. Um, I, I kind of take it conversely. I think that because of the reasons you outlined um, overlooking towards Michigan, I think they kind of get uh, caught in themselves a little bit on the road. I think that um, this could be a little closer than comfort um, under 21 points. Um, I expect somewhere I, I expect them to take care of business, but I think there'll be some hiccups in the first half. And I think that they'll be caught a little off guard on the road. Um They'll course correct. Ryan Day will make adjustments and they'll they'll close out and prevail. I see something closer to like a 21-10 type of game or a 24-10. Colorado's back in the mix and they play UCLA 23. UCLA is your 17-point favorite. The over-under right here goes to, guess what? 62 and a half. Does Colorado get to 500 after this game or what? Dion and his beard. Hell no. Hell no. Colorado is not getting back to 500. They have a target on their back like Lonzo Ball coming in the league. Everybody wants a piece of them. UCLA is going to dominate them because they're also ranked. They're a top 25 team, and they're not getting the respect that they deserve as well. Well, if, if Colorado loses, they go to 500. So oh, favorite. okay. Part, pardon me. Yeah, they will definitely go to 500. <laughs> 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 I think, um, you know, I didn't put a lot of respect on UCLA because they were right around the fringes of the top 25, but they've played their opponents tough this year and they have a lot to prove at home, especially when you have a whole high profile enemy like Colorado coming into your house. So I expect them to put a hurt on Colorado and win something, you know, around a two touchdown type of victory. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I uh, definitely like UCLA in this game. I like them covering the 17. Um, but Matt, so disappointed, man. Uh, and I know they're a top twenty-five team because we have to talk about <laughs> UCLA and not Colorado. I was we were so close. We're like we have about like ten minutes left in the pod. I was like, we're not going to talk about Colorado. So <laughs> no, I know we have to because of UCLA. I'm just joking. But yeah, UCLA is a great team. I think they dominate. Um, no, I do have a question for you guys. What, what, what? And, I, and I'm the one that's actually asking the Colorado question. But what do you guys think if Colorado? Does fall back to five hundred. I don't think they make a bowl game. I, I don't think they're going to get the six wins. I think. I think with such the money, the I think with the money that goes into these the investments, I bet you. If I bet you, if Colorado lost out, that the that these big influence these networks and these TV deals will make sure Dion plays a plays a bowl game. Even if it's the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, the Kraft Macaroni and Cheese Bowl, you will see bowl. Colorado play a bowl game for the sake of popularity and um, and influence. And even if they don't necessarily deserve it, 
let's be real. We know the money. It's all about money at the end of the day. But they well, will definitely be playing before New Year's Eve in a bowl game. Well, we know it's about money, but I think that's exactly why they're not going to give them a bowl game because people will know um, right away the transparency with which that, that move is done. I don't think they're good enough to qualify for a bowl game, even if it's the salad bowl or the toilet bowl. Mm-hmm. Um I think that what they will do is they're going to bring Dion for every fucking pregame on ESPN that entire weekend. And they're going to have him showboating and putting the chains out and all the Buffalo freaking nonsense. They're going to have him televised for all the pregames while their team is sitting, you know, at a five or six win pace for the remainder of the year. So um, I think for those reasons you mentioned to keep, to keep to save face as the NCAA, I don't think that they could allow to have a bowl game in Colorado. No. Yeah, I mean, with six wins, I know some teams get laid off, but I, what Matt mentioned, like if they do hit that six win mark and they're eligible, it's going to be very tough for them not to let them in. Yeah. Um. Speaking of, because we we didn't cover it earlier, but I know it was a, it was somewhere on my list. How disappointed were you guys in when we talk ACC? How disappointed were you when we when we saw the loss of North Carolina this week? Because so I, yeah, I because be, yeah, because they were like kind of in that conversation where they were a top fifteen type of team pushing forward. Um, I thought that they were going to make that leap and get into the next kind of next bigger conversation, but they really took a regressive step back. Yeah. I, was, I, I always root for teams with a quarterback like that, like a, like a guy that you want, like someone that you want to win, you want to watch and you want them to be good. Yeah. I was very disappointed because I was hoping like if we got to see the AC championship, Florida state, North Carolina, I was like hoping that would have meant right. something. Yeah. yeah. It was uh too bad to see, but, um, just focus on Drake May from here, and who knows what the rest. But the, it's still early, technically, so who knows? Maybe they blow out. Maybe they blow out three of the next four games. Obviously, they're scheduled to say that, but I'd like to see it a little competitive and something different. So here we go. Yep. Just uh, last game to discuss in a school. If they win this game, we'll probably talk about it a little more. You know, the University of Central Florida was a team that went undefeated, and. Um, wasn't really taking was pretty much dominating their teams and they advanced to be an FBS school. And um, we might see James Madison University be the next case of that. They're 25th in the nation. They're undefeated. Um, they won't be in a bowl game because of whatever the dumb NCAA rules regarding eligibility and stuff. And um, it's, 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 uh, you guys probably understand it better than me, but they have been making a bunch of noise. Um, and they're playing Old Dominion this week at 20-point favorites. And that might be, if you're a pure college football fan, you'll watch them even though you won't see any of that, them in the postseason. Any thoughts on James Madison, this game, and uh, what it could become? And again, if they win, we could have a more in-depth conversation with it next week. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. James Matt, they're a legit team. And then once they do become eligible, I know the NCAA, same thing with like uh, the NCAA tournament has the same exact rules for college basketball. You have to have like two or three years. And it's it's a stupid rule, like you said. They just let the best teams play and let the best teams play in the bowl games that they deserve. Um, Yeah, but two teams that aren't getting talked about on national media, on all podcasts and everything, are James Madison, in my opinion, and Air Force. 
I think there are yeah. two very teams that are solid one over Navy this past week. What's that? They beat Navy this past week. Solid win over yep. Navy. Yeah, no, yeah. And they and they, like I know like they don't have a tough schedule, but like they're a sneaky team. Like they remind me of like a that speaking of Air Force, like that Boise State team from like a decade ago that like went undefeated and like upset Oklahoma State or Oklahoma, I mean, in that bowl game. Um but I but I will say about James Madison, um they're a team I think we really will be talking a lot about in the next decade. Uh, I, I think if you're a player and you have that chip on your shoulder, you have that underdog mentality, James Madison's a school for you. Go there, shock the world, and become a powerhouse out of nowhere. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, both you took the words out of my mouth with the Air Force not being on the radar and James Madison. Obviously, we pay attention to him because we're, you know, we're junkies for college football. But um, th- this is the exact same way I feel about Tulane actually last year because Tulane snuck into a bowl game. Um, they went under the radar as well. And you saw kind of a spotlight at the end of the year um, with the coach and how he was able to rebuild that and rebrand that program, Um, getting them back into the American athletic conference. I think after making a bowl game and now being a top 25 team for a second year in a row, I think they're going to be in that conversation to move into bigger, better competition, say a a big 10 or an sec. Um, And they're going to make some noise. All right, the actual last pick of the game. Boston College plays the University of Connecticut. UConn almost pulled off University of South Florida, but they blew it. They blew it. They suck. Disgraceful loss. And they play Boston College, the Eagles, um, who don't probably take them that seriously. The spread is minus 14 points for Boston College. Your over-under is over 55, 51 and a half. Um, It's at UConn. For the uh, 500 people who will be there, <laughs> what's up? What's happening? <laughs> well, I'm going to take the under, as in there's going to be less than 500 people there. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, there's nothing to say about this team. I want to talk about since we're going to since this is all this show is all about shitting on uh, you, kind of shitting on Alex. I want to talk about Syracuse football and hear about that. Let's talk about that. I, I, 12 days to basketball season. That's that's all I know. <laughs> well, that, I have um, the same answer then. <laughs> but all I will say is, I, I, and I said it on the pod last week, UConn was one of my bets, and they were. I bet UConn outright last week. I really thought they were just going to win that game, and I was very disappointed to see them take the L to USF. But, uh, yeah, give me Boston College by 100-plus this weekend. <laughs> By a hundred. Boston College. Boston College might score more than fans at the game. <laughs> there you go. See. <laughs> Is it time to make UConn a Division Two football program? What are you like, talking about? It. <laughs> D three. Yeah. Why not? They they had a good team. I was like, what was it? 2017, 2018. They had that like eight and four team that was like sneaky. I don't remember the exact. No, they had. Like, they had great teams up until like 2016, 2017 when um, Randy Edsel left. They made multiple bowl games. They beat Notre Dame on the road in a bowl. They played OU on the road and they and they and they won that game. I, they they had a great team and and that motherfucker left the program because he had um, a lot of allegations coming down the pipe. So he he booted. He went to Maryland like a pussy and then he came back and he had to rebuild and he failed. So they ousted him. And now we got Jim Moore Jr. So we can go playoffs, playoffs. That's my son, playoffs. <laughs> All right. That will do our picks. But why don't we talk a little World Series action, my friends? Yes. 
All right. Haven't talked baseball on this pod for a while. I'm a big Yankee fan. Alex likes the Dodgers. What, Nico, I should ask you, um, what are your, how do you feel about baseball? I know your grandfather likes the Phillies. Are you a baseball fan? Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm not such a bigger uh, ball fan. Like, again, I always say the only team that I truly have is Syracuse basketball, but, um, but I do root for the Yankees. Like, like that's, like, that's pro- realistically, the Yankees are probably my second favorite team, but like, I can give a shit if they win or lose. I mean, I actually want them to win the World Series, but like, I'm nowhere near we can say a fan and I, I'm fine with that. I'm a big gambler. So, you know, it depends. Last night I was the biggest Philly fan in the world. So <laughs> it was unsuccessful. You like, right. Um, yeah. The Yankees, very disappointing season. Hopefully we'll see where we're at in March. We'll see where we're at, uh, where I could go all day about, um, <laughs> failures of Cashman and all that. And, the actual players we're going to see in the World Series who are former Yankees are old as Chapman's back. <laughs> um, Jordan Montgomery, who's big in the ALCS. Um, the person they traded Joey Gallo for, their top prospect, is in the starting lineup. Disgraceful, disgraceful, disgraceful. Um, shit like that, right? And, and Alex, you're a uh, Dodgers fan. This Arizona oh, Diamondbacks taking care of, took care of you in the playoffs. Yeah, because we're we're just like all about sweet nothings, and we never show up in the playoffs. So, and then you the World Series, you win. There's nobody in the stands for it. Of course. Yeah. Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse ring. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> well, it was like it was like Lakers chip too. Shouldn't have counted either. Right. Yes. <clears throat> the one that the one that sh- the one that should have counted was the one that the Astros cheated on, which we would have won. So. Yeah, Kim Kardashian throwing out the game seven pitch. So you guys did that to yourself. <laughs> what a disgrace. No, that's not that's not true. She doesn't like white balls. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do want are we I don't know, are we are we at the are we making our prediction or are we you want to Yeah, just a little bit about just this matchup. So here. First, the World Series. The 2023 World Series is going to be the Arizona Diamondbacks representing the National League and the Texas Rangers representing the American League. Okay? Whoever actually got this bet totally did it as a joke, as a farce. No one saw these two teams coming. They're ranked 19th and 20th in the power rankings before the season started all the way back in late March. What a ride these two teams have. If you... Watch the AL and NLCS. They were incredible, literally both. Both these teams came back on the road, down three games to two, and are in this position. I understand that this probably won't be a highly rated World Series. You got – they're technically two small market teams, even though one's in Phoenix and Dallas. But here – and um, what do we think about these two teams to get to this position first? Uh, what a ride we have with Arizona and um, – Texas. Yeah, I, I just love the storyline aspect of both teams had a hundred lost seasons in the past two years. Like, we're, yeah. we're into like, like just the, 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 it's just awesome. Like that. That is the one thing I always admire about baseball is any team can beat anybody on a given day. It doesn't matter. It's all about getting hot at the right time. Um, I know it's true in a lot of sports, but like mainly baseball, man. Like once you get in that groove, any single team can beat anybody. And uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm. 
not necessarily excited for the series, I guess I could say. Like, I think I would be more excited for a rematch of Houston versus the Phillies, but um, I think it's a great series. I'm very happy to see that. The one thing I will say is I'm happy that one of these franchises will win the World Series versus, like, you don't want your Houston's or even the Phillies. Like, not that I don't want to see them win. I just like that it's an underdog story uh, either way, whoever comes out on top. Me too. Yeah, and you know, and, and just you know, harping on that, the dovetail of that is both of these teams were down in their respective championship series. So I know, um, you know, Texas came out to a two zero start. They lost three in a row, and they were able to bounce back and close out that series, particularly on the road, which is such a tough thing to do. But they got hitters all over the place. Got hot at the right time. You know, Seager's worth his money. He proved it in, the, in this postseason. He's continuing to. Um, I, I just I love the sluggers on Texas, and I I, I personally have no stock invested interest. Um, I don't even hate Arizona because Dodgers uh, did it to themselves, but um, I, I would be happy and pleased to see either team uh, win this World Series. I think it's going to be a really exciting. Um, it's going to be a really exciting series full of uh, break, breaking expectations because a lot of people, the average fan, don't know anything about either team but there's a lot of history there's a lot of history particularly with the rangers i think this is like their first uh appearance since 2011 i think it's only their third their third world series in a 50 plus year history yeah yeah so um and and i haven't seen the i don't think i've seen the diamondbacks even a good as a good team since randy johnson was there i mean my god it's a long Um, time ago yeah different color scheme back then (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they always had like they always had like super lit uniforms though. They were always yeah. great. <laughs> but um yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a great series. Both are great adversity stories, the way they were able, able to rebuild in such a short amount of time, great leadership, good GM and ownership. Um, I think it's gonna be one hell of a series. And if I had to make my pick, I would take the Rangers. Wait, 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 wait. Before you say that, there's just one more thing I want to know. Then we'll say oh. the, the picks right away there. Sorry. Don't worry. I think we cut off there. You're all good. So I just have one more question, and then we'll make the picks, the three of us. Okay. We'll do 1A and then the actual question. Like, okay. Nico, isn't it insane? For and, and, and Alex, as you mentioned, two former 100 lost teams within the last few years. They somehow are able to rebuild and get to this point. And when you watch, you know, our teams that are big market teams who just can't put their head out of their ass, clearly hiring the wrong people, and look at where they're at. I'm watching the Knicks game, Aaron Judge's courtside when the World Series is this weekend. It's like shit. And that's not on him. It's all Cashman. I hate that guy. I hate, I hate, I sports hate him so much. And, it just shows how you really need a solid core. Like it, you don't need big free. You really fundamentally don't need the big free agent signing. Maybe as the final piece, <clears throat> but you need a core in your farm system to grow. And those who yeah. ultimately win the championships, I think drafting right and going within the getting free agents rarely works. If any, never works. If maybe once or twice, and yeah, it's just. This is a great way. I'm not much of an analytics kind of guy, you know. I respect it, but I don't think it should. I don't. I think it's good for the regular season, but in postseason situations, we've seen the analytics. Um, we've seen the analytics mindset take over and cost games for 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 teams. Mm-hmm. But 
I mean, it just shows here. I, I hope at least that these the small market teams playing in your World Series shows that, like, yeah, you really – it's all about the decision makers in the front office. Absolutely. You, had, you, you said it perfect. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, even if you look at with it with uh, with – with what uh, Texas did in the offseason. I mean, like, like Corey Seager was kind of like that cherry on top, but they already had a lot of inertia building. They had a lot of um, great guys coming out of the farm system, and they took guys off the, the the pile and gave them a second chance. Like Jonah yeah. Heim was like he – was, he was like a – he was like a traveling guy across this league, and he – Aldis um, Garcia is the perfect example of that. Yes, yes, exactly. Dolce Garcia has been a, a monster, and you just see how – they get these kind of land of misfit type of guys that find their new home and get a rebirth. You combine that and fuse it with young energy. It inspires and it fuels uh, an entire roster. And then the, the, the piece on top would be like a Seager that comes alive in the playoffs exactly. and is able to kind of guide with his poise from world series experience. Um, that's what, that's the magic that makes these teams run. And you're absolutely right, Matt. It's not about just buying your way to a World Series because it's never worked. Um, it may work for one season, but not for the long run. And you're seeing two uh, teams that have been able to put that time in over a long stretch of time to build something like that. Yeah, man. Um, couldn't say it any better. So the last point I want to say here, for those who really have a problem with this for some reason, the baseball introduced a new playoff system last year where you have the a first round buy for the number one seed, and then you play two wild card series for each league. So the thing here is, and talking about momentum and all that stuff, you see, like I said, hundred win team like the Braves and the Dodgers fall short, the Astros, where these extra rounds of playoffs lead us to this small market team world series. A lot of people on not necessarily on paper, the Diamondbacks aren't a powerhouse team, but yet they're here. And the and you win in October on Magic. You are it's it's who's ever the team that is hot going into the postseason, they are the ones who win the World Series. And this is an example for both teams like this. So do you necessarily have a problem with the postseason system to to get to this point? I don't. If you're good enough. You will get into that position. You will get hot in October, and that's what happens here with the Diamondbacks and Rangers. And whoever has a problem with it can touch grass. What about you guys? You feel the same way? I love it. Yeah, I, I think this postseason, uh, the way they have it right now, is perfect. They shouldn't change it. I thought it was ridiculous what they were doing the past couple of years with uh, the one-game yeah. wild card. You play 162 games to get have a bad night, and you're done. Um, yeah. That, that's why I do like the system. Granted, everyone's like, oh, a three-game series isn't enough. Uh, you play 162 games and there should only be four playoff teams. And I get that argument, too. Um, I, I don't mind how it used to be back in the day when it was only the four teams that got in and uh, three division winners and one wild card team. I didn't mind that setup. I just really, really hated the setup of having your season come down to one wild card game. So I'm fine with it. Uh, I, I really don't have a preference um, either way. Um, I either think there's two ways to do it. It's either this way or just four teams make it. The only argument that I have for the four teams making it, like you mentioned, like the 101 teams, like you have your Dodgers. Yeah, you have these teams like this, the Dodgers, the Braves. Um, You play a 162-game long season, the regular season should be worth a little bit more, in my opinion, for 162 games just then a first-round bye. That's why I don't necessarily – 
I don't hate this playoff system. It's fun. As as a fan, it's fun. I love this playoff system. Extra yeah, games, it keeps, extra it keeps, it keeps uh it keeps teams into it in September and stuff for people to care. And baseball's okay. ultimate problem is getting people interested in the marketing. Correct. Correct. And that and that's it. Uh yeah, I think like I said, I think they either have to do it this way or you do it the old school way. And what they did the years before this were piss poor. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean <clears throat> I think it's exciting. I think Rob Manfred showed the willingness to change and evolve and get a new, um, you know, a con- new constituency of viewership, uh, you know, and new eye- fresh eyeballs on the game. I love the changes they made in the offseason. And I think in addition to that, a continuation of that would be making changes where it matters most, which would be playoffs and how it's structured and how it's formatted. We see it across other leagues. They try other things. Some of them succeed, some fail, but I do like the expansion of having these wild card rounds because it puts more importance and more value on um, the the regular season and what it's worth. And just because you have a bad pitching matchup for a night, it's not gonna it's not gonna derail the, all everything you worked for for 162 games. And anybody who gives me shit about saying that oh well these guys have played enough games through the year they need their rest, bullshit. These are the most spoiled pampered fucking athletes in the world these pitchers do not pitch even more than five innings anymore these guys are out for a pinky or a blue ball for bad sex and they're out for three games like i'm sick and tired of people like not get like getting on these guys for how much money they make and not playing so if i i highly encourage that if they're going to continue with this playoff structure continue to play the games and make it matter when it matters most. Hey, I respect it. Yeah, it's those who are meant to be will will make it happen. And yep. you got to make the most of your opportunity, and no excuses there. Yeah, these guys, these guys spend millions of dollars per year on their body with conditioning and strengthening. They can handle extra games and extra innings. It's it's nonsense. Seriously, oh, I couldn't say it any better. There's a lot of Yankees I could play with that. And oh yeah, list John Carlos Stanton, for instance. Uh, well, and... you look at how those guys are built too. They're not built like wily and elusive to like run the bases. They're built. They're stacked like freaking football players. Oh, yeah, to, they're, they're, dude, they're true like, athletes now. Well, I mean, like, but some of that like has its downside too, because if you're stacked built like that, it only takes one little feeble uh, movement, and then you're out. You got to be nimble, you know. You got to be ready to run bases and and get off the bag, and you know the whole thing. Whole thing, right? The whole, the whole thing. thing. Now, let us get into our official predictions right here, right now. So here is how this is all supposed to roll. Your Texas Rangers are your favorite. They're favorite at minus 18 at um, minus 180. The Texas Rangers are your favorite for the World Series. They are minus 180 to win it all. Arizona is plus 155 as your underdog. Tell me, who do you think is going to win the World Series and in how many games? I, I'll start it off. I believe your Texas Rangers win it in five. I think they had. they really are... If they had Jacob Degrom, I would say in four. They, they're they're in. They have an insanely stacked lineup. They're speedy. They have really good starting pitching, and their bullpen keeps keeps um keeps teams together. The Diamondbacks have an incredible story. They're clearly ahead of schedule, but um, though I think it was a daunting task to beat Philly, 
especially on the road, especially when they were facing elimination games on the road. But I just think um, the Texas Rangers have a better roster and they might even get outmatched. But I wouldn't be surprised if this team of, uh, you know, I'm not going to say nobodies, but a team of unknowns can make a push with Evan Longoria. It'd be nice to see, but I would say give me um, Texas in in, um, in in a five. I can say they could get one, but I think they'll ultimately win it on the 1st of November. Yo, my my uh, my prediction has nothing to do with what I who I think. I I really don't know. Like I I don't know enough about the two teams, and I should. Like I'm just not a huge baseball guy. Like, I still love, like like watching it, but uh, give me the Diamondbacks in seven. I'm not gonna bet on it. And the only reason is <laughs> right fielder. I know he's hurt. Jake McCartney. Uh, McCarthy grew up ten minutes away from my house. So really, he, yeah, All I right. played. Again. I played against him in high school baseball, little league, and everything. And, no wow. way! Uh, yeah, like to see him get a ring. That, that's yeah. really, I also How about like Max- you could go up to him if you're in and say, "Hey, Jake, what's going on?" I I, I didn't know him like that. I didn't know him from like a personal level or anything okay. like that. But like, like well, uh, same thing with Max Cranick and the Pirates. Like I, I like we played against these kids in little league our whole entire lives. Like bad. Wow. Like, that's funny. They were like they're like the town over rivalry that you play. So, like <laughs> I get it. Um. I would like to see him get a ring. You know, hey, I, I used to play baseball against that kid. That's, That's it. wild. That's very cool. Yeah, but I no no don't don't take my advice betting wise or anything. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I did even though I did bet bet the CSs a decent amount. Um, but baseball man, I, I put in a future at the start of the year. My big team this year was the Seattle Mariners. They didn't even make the playoffs, so uh, that's it. Hit their win total over though. That's all I cared about. Um. So. I hear what you're saying. I appreciate your candor, uh, but I have to take, I have to go with my brain and my brain from what I've seen, my eye test, uh, Texas is just the far superior team. I think they've beaten the better teams to get here. I think that they've been a more resilient team second half of the season. Um, They play in a very tough division. You know, they were dealing with Seattle and Houston all year long and um, Bruce Bochy is a great coach and I think that they have the roster that can compete. Uh, I think they have better bats. I think that they can play defense. And like, uh, Matt said, they have a great bullpen and a great starting pitching, um, through seven games in the rotation if they need to go seven. So, uh, for those reasons, I will take Texas in six, but I think that a lot of these games are going to be highly contested. So while I expect them to win in six, I think you're going to see a lot of games where, they're dueling it out in a four-three kind of game, a six-five, something of that nature. Give them a reason. Give them a reason for some good content. All right, yeah. with with that, I want to thank the great Nico and Alex for a stellar show as always, and we'll be seeing you next week. Have a great weekend and uh, stay safe out there. Cool. Thanks for having us. Take care. This is a very productive conversation. Great stuff as always, Nico and Alex. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on our podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding the show across all social media platforms when 
Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter and X at ProdConvoPod, TikTok at Productive Conversations, and Facebook at Productive Conversations. So we're back on Friday. Feel good Friday. Your Friday of Hollow Weekend. Let the festivities begin. And it will be our last show for October 2023. And then we'll be back next week on Wednesday, November 1st. How about that? Wednesday, November 1st, back with the NFL, week eight in the NFL, week nine in the college football season on the second, and then another tweet cap after that. But yeah, our final show. But before we get into that, we're going to do our final show of the month tomorrow. And it's another tweet cap with Ryan. No, Jose, he has something with work. So we have fresh faces coming in and... Yeah, you know, there's this big dating list that, of course, came at a very good time for us where they have like this list of all the places you shouldn't take a girl on a first date. So obviously we will break that break that down in depth and we will go from there. So we'll get into that. Um, you know, there really wasn't a lot of news that are sticking in that's sticking in my head at the moment. And we always have our questions, so we'll get into that, but you know, I'll do my research and I'll have nothing but an incredible show for each and every single one of you this Friday as we get ready for the tweet cap and you do not want to miss it. So we will get into that. I'll have some questions about life and uh We'll put a bow on October 2023 and we will move on from there. So I think it's been a good month. Definitely appreciate a lot. We count our blessings and let's have a great final show of October 2023. And then we will level up in the next month. But I want to thank Alex Ranelio and Nico Nocera for their contributions to the show today. Thank you to Alex at Jesus, a.k.a. Dolo, Dolo Ren, for what he does behind the scenes. And I want to thank you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world, for always supporting us no matter what and being the very best fan base a podcast can ask for. My name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. I will see you tomorrow with a brand new tweet cap, and you do not want to miss it. All right, have a wonderful day, everybody, and don't forget to check in on your friends and family. Peace. All she needed was some.